devotion. Uh, we are starting, uh, and it will take us through the rest of the year, the book of Revelation. So I can't imagine there being any controversy or anything about that. Uh, but what I want to do is instead of answering every question you may have or to uh, uh, justify your uh, perspective on the book of Revelation, I really want us to to make sure we, we get what John is sharing with us, what he really wants us to get out of this. So, so there are various perspectives on interpreting Revelation. Um, I go back and forth among many of them. Um, I, I suspect most of us grew up with a dispensationalist view. That's a premillennial view. You have a seven-year tribulation preceded by a rapture, ends with Jesus coming back, setting up a kingdom for a thousand years, all, all that, that sort of rhetoric. But there is an all-millennialist perspective. There's post-millennialist perspective, and there's a preterism perspective. Um, I've explored all of these in, in other uh, contexts, but it basically comes down to is, is, is the millennium a literal thing? If so, uh, when does it... Uh, show up and how does it work and whatnot? What is was the role that the church plays, Israel plays, all of, all of that sort of stuff? What my, my my concern isn't really to um, um, dive into that and to convince you of of my personal perspective. For one, my my view on those things is always evolving, um, so uh, I, I want to avoid that. What I really want us to do is to focus on what is really uh, the main points of Revelation. And, and what we need to see is is that Revelation presents to us a Christ unlike any other book in the Bible, uh, at least in its totality. Uh, now, the Revelation re, uh, relies heavily on the rest of the Bible, particularly the Old Testament. I think many people will be surprised. And there's no way we can we could dive into every reference. In fact, you can barely get out of any verses um, without a, a an Old Testament reference. It's just saturated with Bible. Uh, with that said, uh, there are four main points, uh, at, at least uh, for our purposes, uh, worth looking at, and, and we'll try to highlight them as we come across them. Uh, the first is we'll see the providential creator who's worthy of worship. Uh, worship is a major, major uh, theme of this book, and it, it, we would uh, be missing the point if we overlooked that. So what we see is the worship of a God who is provident over the affairs of man. Providence means that God uh, is sovereign over history, sovereign over what is happening and where history is going. And so um, what we see here is that the saints, both the reader and, and those in the book, are, are constantly worshiping Christ for his lordship over creation. Uh, we also see the glorious reign of Christ now and forever. This is important uh, because when we think of Revelation, we only think of it in the future tense. But, but although that is true, that, that Christ will sovereignly reign over the affairs of, of the end, but he is sovereignly reigning over the affairs of the world right now. And we need to see this. The, the, as the letters to the churches will reveal, um, we see that Jesus is um, encouraging them with the book of Revelation that um, he is sovereign over their affairs now. And we do need to see that. Um, the book of Revelation was not written to 21st century American evangelicals. It was written to 1st century believers in Asia Minor, which meant that whatever our interpretation of Revelation is, it needs to apply to us, of course, but it must first be directed to them. 
So if it's only about what will happen thousands of years uh, in the future, then how does that encourage these churches who are suffering from persecution, suffering from false doctrine, uh, among other things that we'll see, uh, Lord willing, tomorrow and Monday. Thirdly, uh, this is a critique of Roman power. Again, we need to see, yes, is a book about future, yes, but it's a, it's a book about the present, uh, at least the, the present of, of when it, it was written. And so there's hints of Rome throughout the book. Most prominent, it comes later, where we see these seven heels of Babylon. Um, many see, and I think rightly so, uh, Babylon as a metaphor for Rome. That was a common way of speaking of, of various cities uh, and, and the way the Jew viewed large cities. Um, and when we get there, we, we can talk about it. Um, but, but the critique of Roman power is very evident in the book, and it can allow us to, to provide a critique of, of uh, other powers today. Um, and then finally, there's the joy of heaven. Uh, we, 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 we keep getting uh, the, the proverbial curtain is, is removed for us. And we, we get to see Christ ruling and reigning, the saints celebrating and fellowshipping and worshiping. And we long for that day that the affairs of this world will be no more and a new heavens and new earth. Uh, come down. Well, that, that is just a brief introduction to, to some of the things we'll, we'll look at. Um, but let's look at the book itself. Let's skip down to verse 4 of chapter 1. John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Um, Grace to you and peace from him who, who is and who was and is to come, from the seven spirits who are before his throne, from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, ruler of the kingdom of the earth. Um, let, me, let me just briefly say again, uh, notice this was written to seven churches. And, and so again, Everything has to fit their context, right? Why is it that, that John is giving this to the seven churches? And why is it this message, right? So Revelation is what's called a circular letter in that it would have been written and then copied and passed along. Uh, another uh, great example of this is the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians. Ephesians is likely a circular letter. We, I think we talked about it. Uh, go back to our study of Ephesians 1. Uh, and Colossians 4, I actually mentioned this last night in our study of Jude, um, that Paul says, when you're done reading this, make a copy of it and send it to the Laodiceans. All right? um, so so uh, Revelation fits in that mold. Um, now, of all the descriptions you get of Christ, um, I can't explain all of them, um, but what we do need to see is, is that chapter 1 is, is presents to us Christ. Uh, and, and so chapter 1 is a chapter worth coming back to. So he's presented here as the one who is, the one who was, and the one who is, is to come. So his death, his resurrection, and, and his, his return. Um, we see that Christ is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead. That is, that as Christ is raised, so those in Christ will be raised. The ruler of kings on earth. Remember that this is a, a critique of Roman power and, and other political powers, which is why Christians should not get in bed with political influences and, and, and get involved uh, deeply, or at least shape their lives around uh, the system. Uh, very, very dangerous and, and really is not what we see in the New Testament. To him who loves us, has freed us from our sins by his blood, made us a kingdom of priests to his God and Father. To him be glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. So much there. I, I wish we could talk talk about in more detail. I believe we've talked about um, uh, the priesthood of all believers, probably when we looked at First Peter. Um, but we see that developed here as well. Behold, he is coming with with the clouds and every eye will see him and even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will wail 
on account of him, even so, amen. Um, and then Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, uh, who is, who was, who is to come, the Almighty. Alpha is the first word of the English uh, Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter in the Greek alphabet. It's like saying, I am the A, I am the Z. Uh, but Alpha and Omega just, just rolls off the tongue better, of course. Um, what he is, is he's saying, look, I, I, I am everything. Um, now we can read more into that, but don't. Uh, I, I don't think that that is necessary, at least for these, these devotions. Um, but... Um, and then John tells us that he saw Jesus. Um, he describes himself, verse 9, as a partner in the tribulation. Um, this is a matter of debate. Um, is, is what John describing his experience on Patmos separate from the tribulation he describes later? Right, A, a preterist, those who think that all of this has been fulfilled apart from the, Christ, the return of Christ, um, would say no. What John describes as the tribulation here is the same description of the tribulation later. Right. So John is saying, "I am, I am joining you in this general tribulation." Or is is or do we have two tribulations here? Paul, uh, John's personal suffering, and then a, a future a time of suffering. Look, I'm, I'm not answering those questions, um, but I do think it's it's worth highlighting that the language that John uses is specific. Um, but he is uh, uh, suffering with patient endurance. He's on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Um, and so um, he, he's, he's just stranded there to, to survive. Um, and then you'll notice he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. The Lord's day. Now that is Sunday. Have you ever looked at a calendar and thought... Why is the Sabbath Saturday, but we worship on Sunday? Well, from the very beginning, these Jewish Christians who grew up Jews, grew up that Saturday was the day of rest, it was the Sabbath, began to make Sunday a day of worship. Why? Because Sunday was the day Christ was risen from the dead. And we, we, we get clear hints of this uh, throughout the New Testament. And this is one of those. John is receives this vision on the Lord's day. Remember that Sunday is the first day of creation. And so we talked about this in our study of, of the Gospels, particularly Gospel of John, that that Christ dies and is dead um, Friday and Saturday. So he dies on Friday, which is the day of man, right? Sixth day. On the seventh day, Christ literally rests. He's in the tomb. But on uh, or on the seventh day, he's resting. But on the first day, he's raised, launching a new creation right? as creator. He, he's bringing with him uh, this, this kingdom. And so John experiences this, what he calls the Lord's Day. We call it Sunday. It's the day of worship. That's why we do it to this day. Verse 12, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. Now he will identify with those mean later on. In the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man. That language is taken from Daniel. Uh, That's what Daniel saw, one like son of man. Clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. So this is a royal uh, imagery here. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in full strength. Now there's a lot there. Um, but what we need to see is that uh, uh, John is borrowing imagery of the Old Testament. I didn't write them all down, but what we see here is Christ as king, Christ as high priest, Christ as warrior. Christ, so, so we get all of these themes uh, of Jesus in the, sing, in, in the single paragraph. 
And then so John is John is really putting everything. Uh, so whenever we talk about Jesus being the true and better Adam or true and better Abel, true and better Abraham, true and better Noah, true and better Moses or Aaron, we also say Jesus is true and better bread, true and better priests, true and better temple, true and better um, uh, life, true, true and better lamb, true and better atonement, true and better uh, uh, all of these, these sort of things. Um, we did a lot of that in John's gospel. We've done it in other places as well. Well, that's what you have here. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of that. And so again, if, 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 we, if we read Revelation and we're caught up with our charts and what we me- miss is Jesus as presented, then we've missed the whole point of book of Revelation. Revelation is not going to answer all of your questions about the end times. It's going to answer the most important questions about the end times. But it's not going to answer um, all of the things that we wanted to answer and that we often get distracted by and go down dangerous paths with. But what it will do is it will present to you Christ, Christ as he is. And so, unlike Dorothy, John pulls back the curtain, and what he sees is one greater and more glorious than he ever could have imagined. And this is a guy who walked with Jesus for years. So so let us not miss that when it comes to reading Revelation. He goes on in verse 17. Uh, Jesus says, Fear not, I am the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega. Same same sort of idea. The living one. Again, all of this language is from the Old Testament. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Now, death and Hades will together be thrown into the lake of fire along with the beast and the false prophet. That comes, I believe, in chapter 19 or 20. Um, so so this, this is starting that, right? Uh, but we also see uh, a reference to Hades here and death there. Um, and some see these as synonyms, uh, death and Hades. Uh, Hades is the Greek word for the Hebrew word Sheol. Sheol means at least the grave. Sometimes it means more than the grave. So, um, it, but also it just means death in general. So when Jonah, in Jonah 2 in his poem says, um, I was in Sheol, well, he, he could be saying I was literally dead, or I was in the midst of the grave, like I was going to die, or I was at the brink of death, right? There's, there's, there's some, some areas of debate as to how we should specifically talk about it. But in Revelation, death and Hades seem to be synonyms here. Uh, or some type of, of synonyms. And so Jesus is saying, I have the key over it. And so, so I have authority over death and Hades. And the day will come when death and Hades and everything associated with it, sin and slavery and Satan, all of that will be, will be cast into eternal lake of fire. Remember that, that, that this book isn't just about charts and who the Antichrist is and what role is America going to play? When's the rapture? You know, and that's the sort of stuff. It's really about Christ ruling and reigning over the universe and how that should be an encouragement to us as we long for that day. Finally, the last verse, verse 20. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, notice he holds these in his right hand. Seven stars and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, which we'll meet in chapters 2 and 3. The word angels there is difficult. It is the Greek word angelos. Angels is a transliteration of the Greek. Uh, angelos. And it, it means angels, yes, yes. But, but the word means messenger. So the word gospel uh, means good message. Good message, right? So um, good news. Uon uh, and Gelion. It's got the word angel right there uh, in, in the Greek. So, so we've transliterated it. Now, it usually does describe a, 
a, a supernatural being that we call angels in English. Um, but it doesn't always mean that, right? Um, and so some see this not as an angel over every church, but rather as um, a reference to uh, the leaders of the church, maybe apostles, something. Uh, I, don't, I don't have a dog in the fight. I, I don't really know the answer to it. Um, and the seven golden lampstands are the seven churches. And you'll notice Christ holds in his right hand the churches um, and their angelos. He holds them in his right hand. Right? Thus he is Lord over them. He is Savior of them. Um, and what we'll see in chapters two and three, he he warns many of them and says that if if you don't if you don't go along with this, then th- I will remove your lampstand, right? And so light will be taken from from you, uh, and you will be no more. And and so um, it's really really strong strong stuff here. Well, that's that's enough for for Revelation one. Lord willing, tomorrow we'll look at Revelation two. See you then.